and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The word of the Lord. Well, good evening. I'm coming to you guys straight from my office at work because it has better sound and a standing desk so <laughs> I could stand and preach tonight. Um, while, while Rick was reading that, I was thinking, I uh, sensed Chantel four images of, um, of for tonight's sermon of the Transfiguration from around the globe. And as I was researching and studying and putting everything together for the sermon, I kept seeing a lot of religious artists and those who make icons talk about the light and dark in this story. And this isn't even the intro. This is like the pre-intro. This isn't in my notes. But I kept thinking about it with the songs Mike chose, Wash Us White as Snow, and these, these artists talking about this, you know, there's this brightness coming from Christ, but also the shadow that overtakes them and him of God and just how to work that into art. And so I think it's really beautiful. But one of the other things that came from reading all of that was how this passage is often used um, to malign the name of Christ for white supremacy. And I think that needs to be, we need to be honest about that. And that's not okay. Um, the whiteness and the brightness talked about here is not meaning that white is better. It is meaning that in this moment, something unique happened, and we'll dig into that. But I think being honest how the scripture can be used is something we need to think about as a church. And um, I love what Paul has said about how we love our brothers and sisters who don't look like us and who are different. And I, this, this scripture is one that is often used um, to bring about hate. And it's not about hate at all. So it's really exciting to dig into it with you guys. And um, here's the actual introduction. We'll move from the pre-intro, the random intro into the real one. Um, this past Christmas, an artist I really like, her name is Jess Ray, wrote a sad Christmas song. And as I prepared for tonight, the song kept coming to my mind and the song begins, we've done another trip around the sun, how I wish it would have been a better one. Here, we are painfully aware that it's hard to hope, easy to despair. And this, as this year closes, we begin again. Here is something to take comfort in. Gloria, Gloria, God has come to understand us. We are approaching almost one full year of masks and loss and quarantine 
And this one year has felt like a long time. And in this congregation, we've had babies born, these little ones whose giggles we have yet to hear in this, well, sunny side, it's not this, sanctuary as a community. We've seen their little faces on Zoom, but we have yet to hear the joy of their giggle in our, in our presence. But we have survived and we have done it together. Um, Jess's song continues. Were you forgotten? Were you betrayed? Are you alone? He knows the ache. Have you been waiting? Tired and confused. Have you lost someone? He weeps with you. He weeps with you. We weep with you. One of the things I have grown to love about this community at Wheatland is our prayer time. I grew up in a tradition. My parents are on here tonight with us, so I'm apologizing ahead of time for all the things I'm going to say about them. Um, but they did this to me while I was growing up, so I feel like it's pretty fair now. Um, I grew up in a tradition with Wednesday night prayer meetings where you would go. And during my childhood, I realized I was not an intercessor and my spiritual gift is not prayer because it always felt very long and I was very bored. But I listened to faithful women and men pray and petition the Lord for healing and peace for their spouses, for trust, and for the kingdom to come. And they praised him for answered prayers, things that we have done tonight. They worshiped him in what felt to me as a child hyperbole, but it was not. It was true and heartfelt and beautiful because prayer is something that binds Christian community. Looking back at these times in a congregation of a congregation in prayer, I learned about community and the miracles and sorrow and joy of prayer warriors. I also look back on these and I cherish the memories of being in my grandfather's prayer circles. And his prayers were in King James. He spoke regular English and then when he prayed, it became King James English. And it was poetry, the these and the thous. And the King's English felt very formal next to Jill Bruckenfeld, who was an older girl in high school. She was so cool. And she would pray, hey God. But that is the beauty of taking everything to the Lord. God does not judge how we come to him. He listens. And when Jake or Haley or Gina or Chantel lead our prayer times together, we celebrate and we weep with you. The last bit of the song is the part that connects directly to what we're gonna talk about tonight. And she says, it's okay if you need to admit that this season has lost some of its magic. It reminds you of all the hurt and loss and how we're crying out for your kingdom come. No need to smile, no need to sing. Be still and think about this thing. Gloria, Gloria, God has come to understand us. Some of the magic and Christmas of Lent and the resurrection has been lost this past year. And to be completely honest, some of the magic of life has stilled. And what do I mean by magic? It's not always a church word that we, that we speak of. I guess what I mean is the wonder and the possibility and the unexplainable 
sometimes feels like it has ceased. And I grew up in a home, I kind of feel like was filled with magic. And it's probably more that it was filled with love, but it felt like magic. Cause it felt like magic because there were decks of cards everywhere. And when my friends came over, my dad taught them how to flip and flick and throw cards into hats and at each other. And our living room was littered with hearts and diamonds and spades and clubs and laughter. And it was magic. And the way my mom would take anything I brought home from the thrift store or a garage sale and with some alchemy, turn it into something 100% me, the sewing machine and the cards had magic. Making pants shorter, healing holes, mending buttons and laughing together. It was a house full of magic. And I want to approach this coming season of Lent with this same sense of wonder. As a time we look forward and we look for magic. So when we see it, we don't ignore it. And tonight we get to journey into the magic of Jesus. We have the honor of being with Peter and James and, J and John as Jesus does something completely new and unexplainable. And sometimes it seems like magic and glory and miracle all wrapped in to one shiny moment. And so let's pray as we head into the text. Father, I thank you for who you are and I thank you for loving us. And I pray that as, as we dig into your word tonight, that you speak through me and to us and you open our ears and you keep us warm and thank you for loving us. We love you as best we can in your name. Amen. I know my intros aren't as long as Paul's, but it's still an intro. <laughs> when I read through this passage and studied, I became a little frustrated and could not find the right direction to go, if I'm being completely honest. Many of you have heard me preach before and know that I like to talk about justice and the kingdom and loving the poor, and that is my heartbeat and this did not seem to get me there. I started writing this so many times and nothing brought the flow I like to type in until I said out loud to my friend, Caitlin, who works in the office over there, there's nothing actionable in the transfiguration. This is something that happened to Jesus and those three disciples and it does not change the way I live. Once I said this, I sat down and reread the passage, taking off the glasses of my traditions. I grew up in a faithful community and a home full of magic, but I grew up in a very Baptist church. And as I took off the lens of that tradition, I could look at Mark's writing in a different way. I grew up in a church where we didn't do Transfiguration Sunday. This wasn't something we looked at annually. This was a passage that was not a part of our preaching schedule. This was a supernatural story that happened and things like this may happen, but not here, not with Baptists. And I hope that was a, Paul, a solid Paul joke right there. Two thumbs up. Oh yes, I'm getting a thumbs up from Paul. Things like this didn't happen in our Baptist church. So I tried to look at this passage like it was the first time. 
They go on a hike. Jesus does something crazy. The law and the prophets show up. Peter, James, and John were freaked out, and Peter wants to build some tents to contain the light. And God shows up as a cloud and tells the guys to listen to Jesus. They go home and are told not to talk about it. But what does this mean? I see the magic and the wonder in it, but like everything in our Western lives, I want to know how does this affect me? I want to see a giant takeaway that I, that we as a community can implement and thus change the world. But as with most things, Jesus, I needed to stop asking what this means for me. And I needed to begin asking, what does this actually mean for us, for a community of believers? And then I saw the text new. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a hill, a high mountain, apart from themselves, and he was transfigured before them. That word transfigured is unique. It has a root in meta, like metamorphosis, like change. Jesus transformed into something completely new while on the mountaintop. The same word is actually used in Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We are to be transformed and transfigured by pointing our thoughts to Christ and his will. Jesus was transformed before the three, and this transformation allowed them to see the full divinity of Jesus. And when we are transformed and transfigured, others can see Christ in us. And when the church is transfigured, the world can point, I'm sorry, when the church is transfigured, we point to Christ in our beacon in our communities. And as garments became glistening, intensely white, as no fuller on earth could bleach them. Yeah, I didn't know what a fuller was until I read this. <laughs> I did some research and I know it has something to do with wool and cleaning the wool to make it as, as white looking as possible. And there was a lot of technical stuff and I even watched a video on YouTube. But what it comes down to is it was brighter and more intense than that. And I don't know about you guys, but I love a crisp white t-shirt in the summer. I always buy a new one at the beginning of every summer season. And then I rarely ever wear it because it stresses me out because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I will spill coffee on it. Even if I don't drink coffee that day, which that doesn't happen, there will be a coffee stain on the new white shirt. And so I carry around with me shout wipes on the days I wear white shirts. Yes, I'm that person. And I dab out the stain, but there's always that, that edge of discoloration, no matter how much you scrub at it. This was not the case for the transfiguration. Jesus was blindingly bright. There was no spot of anything else. He was bright. He was the sun hitting a prism bright and dazzling. You know that moment when the sun hits a prism and it kind of brightens up the whole block before the, before the rainbow hits the floor? Jesus was that. And how does his, why does his brightness matter? It matters because when God 
passes Moses on the cleft of the rock on Mount Sinai, Moses' face shone. It was glowing. It was the same dazzling because he had been transformed by a unique encounter with God. Jesus was shining because of a wondrous encounter. We do not fully understand and we can't. What happened here is sacred and mystic. And I believe that it was to prepare Jesus for the end and beginning that was coming. And there appeared Elijah and Moses and they were talking to Jesus. Now I tell you, I have wondered about this conversation for weeks now. Like, what were they saying to each other? Why isn't that what this scripture is about? We don't know what's being said. Moses, who carried the law, Elijah, who was a prophet, and Jesus, who is the physical embodiment of the law, and the one of which, for which all the prophets prophesied, were hanging out and chatting. What do you think they chatted about? I mean, I just keep thinking about it. And I know this is not some power play because that's not how Jesus and God work. But I really think they were there to love Jesus, who was headed into a dark and painful couple of weeks. His time would end victoriously, but there would be real physical and emotional pain in the process. We read that Jesus, Elijah, and Moses were all together and because I'm familiar with this event, and we are, we just accept it. But to actually stop and think about this, Jesus is glistening and dazzling. And I'm going to say something that is not Tolkien or Lewis approved. But think of Twilight going to the Met Gala, that kind of glistening, bright, out of your mind, crazy light. And, and Moses, who literally died a long time ago, and Elijah, who we read about tonight, who was taken up to heaven, were there chatting. This is magical. This is unexplainable. And Peter wanted to contain it. Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is well that we are here. Let us make three booths, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what else to say, for they were exceedingly afraid. Peter is me filming my favorite song at a concert instead of living in the moment. Peter wants to build a booth, a tent, a dwelling, so this moment can continue forever with them separated and encased. He was freaking out and needed something to do. I often clean when I freak out and it looks like Peter builds. How would we react to this mountaintop moment, this supernatural moment? Sometimes when God transforms people, we freak out about it. We build monuments, and over the centuries in America, we have hosted revivals in tents on the land where transformation happened or a miracle happened. And Peter was scared and overwhelmed and needed something to do. 
with all of this newness. And I, like Peter, need something actionable. I said it before, I need something actionable. And God had a word for Peter. God the Father did not want a booth, a tent, an altar, or a dwelling built. He had another action for Peter, James, and John. And the cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my son. Listen to him. I imagine this is a dark cloud because it had to cover up the bright white that was Jesus. So I imagine it dark. And I'm someone who loves sunshine. When I'm at the pool in the summer, I don't want a single cloud in the sky. But if it's going to be one, it needs to be one of those real clear kind of like not much of a cloud cloud because clearly I'm a meteorologist and I know all the terms for the types of clouds. But I don't want a dense cloud where I can't see the sun. And so I'm assuming this was a fairly dense cloud that came over this situation. And this cloud overshadowed Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. It blocked out the brilliance and confirmed yet again that Jesus was in fact the long-awaited Messiah. God broke through and gave Peter, you, and me something actionable, something that will change the world. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen can mean a lot of things, and all you parents out there probably know that better than me, who has no children that I have to tell to listen to me all the time. But it can mean, hear what I'm saying, understand me, do what I say. This is important. I kind of think God is saying here, this is my son. Hear what he is saying. Understand him. Do what he says. His words are important. So listen. Listen to him. And what are some of the things that Jesus said? He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. He said, love your neighbor. Get up and walk. Cast your net on the other side. Go and sin no more. I have come to proclaim freedom to the prisoner. He who is without sin cast the first stone. A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, for you also love one another. He said, follow me. And we need to listen to him. And suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. I kind of love that, but Jesus only. Jesus was the fulfillment of all Moses and Elijah represent. And we are left with James and Peter and John being told to listen to Jesus. We are to take the magic of the transfiguration and lived transformed lives that listen to the words of Jesus. And I love that this can now become a sermon about justice and loving our neighbor because that is what listening to Jesus is all about. But that's still not what this passage is all about. This passage is about something altogether unexplainable happening. And we have to have faith and hope that it is actually true. We cannot recreate this. This moment of the transfiguration does not change my daily life. But I believe it changed Peter, James, John, and Jesus's everyday life. 
And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man should have risen from the dead. This magical moment was to be held onto until the right moment. Until after Christ's resurrection, this amazing, hard to describe event had to be kept under wraps. As we prepare for the Lenten season, may we think about Jesus shining brightly and hold on to his transfiguration. And upon his resurrection, think about James and Peter and John fully realizing that this walk down the mountain conversation, what it actually meant. Jesus risen from the dead, transfigured, still human, unrecognizable, and still making himself known. This is the magic and the hope. And when we listen to Jesus, he brings the wonder and the light into, the, into our lives and our communities. So listen to Jesus and sometimes sing along with Jess and we begin again. Here is something to take comfort in. Gloria, Gloria, God has come to understand us. And that is mystical and mysterious and magical. And we are a part of it. And we are going to do 